You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. I think, you know, you're always looking at what a team does technically, and it's always most interesting to see, you know, what was their philosophy of what they did technically to whether it was play defense against you or attack you offensively or what they did on special teams. So I think you use that information as a history of maybe what you might see again and other things that they did periodically, you know, that changed. So I I don't think you look back on the game from a psychological standpoint as much as you do a technical standpoint. Nick Saban talking about the Texas Longhorns. Six o'clock Saturday night, Bryant-Denny Stadium. The town's already lit. I can't imagine what it's going to be like when we get there Friday as we go to Ennis Free and broadcast live. We will be doing that in just a couple of days. But matchup between Texas and Alabama, it's going to be a wild affair. I'm looking up what's the biggest concern Lars. By the way, Lars, welcome to the show. I just jumped right in and I'm pretty jacked up today. I've had seven cups of coffee. All right. Let's roll. Let's <laughs> roll tide roll. I'm just sipping on my second <laughs> cup. But uh, what's the biggest concern? I think it's quite obvious when it comes to Texas playing Alabama. Yeah, it's uh, Quinn yours. I mean, there's no, no, no doubt about it. The, the Longhorns are not going to beat Alabama on either the defensive line or offensive line. Alabama has uh, a significant advantage up front, but Alabama doesn't have a quarterback like Quinn Ewers. And you remember how he lit up Alabama early last year. He was nine of 12, uh, then got knocked out of the game. Uh, uh, Xavier Worthy, really terrific wide receiver who's back. He had five passes for 97 yards and, and Alabama's really on its heels early in that game. And, um, now the receiving core for Texas is even better. Uh, I think it's probably the second best receiving core in the country behind Ohio State. And, um, it certainly is going to be the best core of receivers that Alabama is going to face all season. And, you know, Middle Tennessee just wasn't a challenge to the Alabama defense. I mean, yeah, they, they held Middle Tennessee to seven points, but it's nothing in comparison to Quinn Ewers. And you know that I, I don't even think they're going to try to run the ball very much. Uh, it's going to be pass, 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 attack, attack, attack. And can the Alabama defense hold up? in a way that they couldn't last year at the beginning of the game before Quinn Ewers got hurt. If Quinn Ewers doesn't get hurt, Texas wins that game, in my estimation. Um, but not with uh, Colt McCoy. Okay, we're not going <laughs> We will be talking about Colt road. McCoy a lot on Friday with a particular guest who had a particular interaction with Mr. McCoy. Yeah, I I, uh, I think I know who you're talking about. We're going to leave it at that and just um, let everybody hear it when they hear it. You know, I, when I saw the Texas score against Rice, you kind of go, okay, it's a rather pedestrian win. Uh, check the stats out. They absolutely dominated Rice. 24 first downs to 8, 458 yards to 176. I could go on. Ewers, maybe not as accurate as a lot of people would have wanted, but he was 19 of 30, 260 yards, 
three touchdowns. By the way, Lars, I in no way knew this answer, okay? I know it now, so I can ask it. Do you know who the starting quarterback was for Rice? No. JT Daniels. He's still around. Oh, my goodness. That is is unbelievable. What is that, like his ninth school? I don't know. I thought (laughs) that guy was in Arena League. Oh, my goodness. uh, I mean, I'm going to have to go back and make sure that I didn't read that improperly, but I'll go back to the box score here. JT Daniels was 14 of 26, 149 yards, one touchdowns, one touchdown, two interceptions. So... There it's it amazing. At, at one, he, was, I believe, at one time he was, yeah, I believe he was the top ranked high school quarterback coming out in his class. Yeah. And went to USC and it seemed like, hey, this guy's going to win a Heisman Trophy at, at USC and and be a high draft pick. And now he's uh, hopscotched around the country. That's uh, really <laughs> incredible. Um, I don't know I, I, if this statistic is going to. Uh, bear out Saturday night because you just said you thought that they were going to pretty much throw the football. They did pass at uh, let's see they passed 30, they rushed 39 times and passed 36. Yeah. Um, that's about as 50-50 as you can get. So I cut you off there. My apologies. No, I was just uh, going to say you know, I was on campus yesterday uh, teaching and just walking around, you know, um, Bryant Denny, there is just so much going on already in preparation for Saturday. And I, I'm hearing whispers, and this certainly sounds like an exaggeration, that there's going to be 500,000 people in Tuscaloosa on Saturday. Um, we need to get Walt Maddox on, and I will, uh, I'll text him in a, in, in a little bit and see if we can get him on tomorrow. Because it, it is a, uh, a a massive operation to get the city ready for this influx. I do know. I can't. I just can't believe that that's accurate. I can't believe that that's accurate. I do know. In 2011, in the the game of the century, right, uh, the nine to six game that LSU beat Alabama uh, in Tuscaloosa, that. I believe it was uh, 175,000 people came who didn't have tickets. And if it gets to 500,000, what Tuscaloosa is already 100,000. So that would be, that would be 100,000 who live there, uh, 100,000 in the stadium and 300,000 outside of the stadium. That, that doesn't seem possible, but a few different people told me that that is the estimate. Uh, that, and again, that, that seems a little overheated, a little, uh, exaggerated, a lot exaggerated, but we'll get Walt on just to see. But I, you can already, uh, um, it's already apparent that, uh, you know, this game is, is unlike, uh, any other, uh, non-conference game in the Saban era. And it, it's interesting that, uh, Alabama and Texas, our uh, journalism schools have a collaboration between one another. Um, last year, uh, Alabama sent several 
students down to Austin uh, for the game, and, and they were able to uh, to cover it and kind of have a behind the scenes look of uh, of the uh, of everything at at UT. And now Texas is sending some journalists up to Alabama. And uh, they are going to get a behind-the-scenes look as well and, and write stories. And, and we're going to have one of those students join us here in just a, a few minutes. Her name is Anna, Anna Sophia Meyer. Uh, she uh, reached out to me and uh, interviewed me yesterday, uh, last night, for a, uh, um, a, a story that she's doing. And, um, you know, she was just so incredibly articulate and insightful about Texas that I wanted to bring her on to just, you know, share the, the temperature of the Texas student body and how they feel about this game, how they view Alabama. Uh, I think it'll be really interesting, Matt. Well, I think the first question I'm going to have to ask her is why didn't she leave Texas and come to Tuscaloosa? <laughs> Come on now. Do you think there's anybody from Alabama in the same program? I mean, from Alabama at Texas. I doubt it. I doubt it, too. But it's a great anyway. program. It's a great and, and uh, oh, Doctor yeah, uh, Andy Billings, good buddy of mine. He's uh, the Alabama program uh, sports communication director uh, in, in the journalism school, and, and Andy really set this whole thing up. And um, it's just a, a great experience for the students. You know, they get a kind of they get on uh, like on the set of game day, and you know, just see how that works. I know they're going to meet with. Um, the different game day people and um, they're, they're they're getting and get sort of the VIP treatment of uh, you know just being kind of shown what goes on behind the ropes so to speak so cool experience for them and can't wait to uh, talk to uh, Sophia it's like um, Southeastern Conference exchange students yeah excuse me Anna Sophia can't wait to That's talk okay. to her uh, good catch. What a wonderful conversation we will have with Anna Sophia Meyer from Houston, Texas. We will do that on the other side of this break as uh, number three now, Alabama, will host number 11, Texas, this Saturday night. More to come on Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A mix of sun and clouds this afternoon. The chance of a few showers or strong thunderstorms through tonight. The high today, 91. The low tonight, 68. Or tomorrow and Friday, the sky's sunny both days. Not as humid. The high tomorrow, 89. The high Friday, 87. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 89 degrees in Tuscaloosa. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. program at our flagship station, Tide 100.9 FM. Of course, we have affiliates in East Alabama as well. I'm Matt Coulter, along with Lars Anderson. Joining us now is Anna Sophia Meyer. 
who is a third year uh, junior journalism and political communications uh, student at the University of Texas and she's minoring in sports media and uh, we talked last night for about an hour for a piece that she's working on. Uh, Anna Sophia, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. So uh, you did a terrific job in in, in talking to to me last night. Um, just give us a, a sense of what the students at Texas are are thinking and how they're viewing this game at Alabama and how much excitement is there on campus. Yeah, there's there's so much excitement. This game has been really really hyped up for honestly since last year. Um, everyone is is. You know, rearing and ready to go. Everyone wants a rematch. Um, I think everyone here at Texas really wants to show Bama what we're made of. And tell us about what you are doing. It's a really cool collaboration, uh, this program between Texas and Alabama uh, in our uh, respective journalism departments. Yeah, yeah. So I'm lucky enough to be one of the eight students, four from Texas, four from Alabama, to be selected um, in the second year of this home-and-home series uh, between Texas and Alabama. Um, This program was inspired by the 2018 announcement of the home-and-home series. And um, as far as we know, there's no other academic partnership between uh, two schools um, besides this one between Texas and Alabama. Um, So all of us eight students were coming together. We're a team to cover this game. Um, And um, the goal is just to really use this unique opportunity to highlight the really excellent academic programs and sports communication at both universities. And, and my yeah. name is uh, Matt Coulter. I'm Lars' uh, partner. And um, is, nice, do you nice go by Anna? Nice to meet you. Anna Sophia? Yeah, I go by Anna. Okay. Anna, um, Anna, why the hell didn't you come to Tuscaloosa and go to journalism school? <laughs> you <Okay>. know... <laughs> uh, were you ever... You know, there... I think out of all the states in the United States, Texas has more out-of-state students in Tuscaloosa than any other. Of course, a lot of of that may have to do with the fact that they're a pretty large state. But have you heard that? Yes, yes. There's so many students from Texas high schools everywhere that that end up at Alabama. I think it has a little bit to do with the culture. You know, y'all have a little something going on there at Alabama. <laughs> um, what are you looking forward to most when you're coming to, when you're coming to Tuscaloosa? Honestly, just getting a really good feel for the fan environment. Um, you know, obviously Texas football is is really electric, but football means something different down there in Alabama. I've never really had that experience, and I'm really excited to get to talk to some super devoted Tide fans. What what is it? Just I'm really sorry, quick. Lord. I'm sorry, Matt. I, I, I stepped on you there. I'm sorry. Just really quick. What is it? I'm, I'm going to ask you. The shoe's going to be on the other foot here. I'm going to ask you some of the questions you asked me last night. But what is it about Texas football that is unique? And, you know, what are some of the hallmark characteristics of, of the fan base and, and just why it is why Texas fans are so similar to Alabama fans in, in their passion for the game? Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with pride. Um, you know, something that we talked a lot about was Alabama fan pride. Texas fans have, I would say, a similar sense of pride, but um, it's much more, uh, it's a lot less optimistic, I would say. I see um, a lot of Texas fans have a healthy dose of pessimism in, in their pride for, for Texas football, just because we've had, you know, 
some rough, some rough seasons trying to get back to where Texas was historically. Um, but every single fan will talk so much about the glory days of Texas. And I think everyone just really wants to get us back to that place. Uh, sorry. Um, and so uh, what uh, is your sort of itinerary for covering the game? It's pretty unique. Yeah. So um, we will be, like I said, flying into Birmingham on Thursday. And then I think we'll be in Tuscaloosa running around doing stuff, getting ready for the game um, all day Friday. Um, I'm definitely planning on walking around all the tailgates and talking to as many fans as I can. Um, hopefully talk to some students, um, some other uh, people there in Alabama who really, really know and understand the culture and the history and the significance of Alabama football. Um, and then game time on Friday, um, I have photojournalist credentials with my uh, teammate Katie. Um, she's doing a photo essay to pair with the story that I'm um, producing from this experience. And I'm pretty sure we have credentials also at game day at SEC Nation. And um, I'm, the, the thing that I'm most excited about is getting to meet Paul Feinbaum, though. <laughs> I could have gone all day without hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, and, and what story are you working on? And what have you learned so far? Other than from, you know, the... Uh, the nonsense I told you last night. Uh, what, what, what have you learned so far? Um, I think I've really learned about, you know, college football is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle for some people. And I think that's a really unique, a unique thing to have. And it's unique to, to buy in so hard on something that, you know, like college football doesn't need to exist, but it does. And we love it so much. And I love that people, buy-in um, so hard. I think I've really learned to um, expand my horizons and go after things that I never thought would be possible. You know, I've been reaching out to so many people um, to talk to you for the story, and everyone's been so nice um, and so open, so excited to me, so excited to, to talk with me about this story. Um, it's, it's just such a surreal experience so far. And, uh, what, and what exactly is the piece? What's the, what is the focus again? So the focus is um, essentially culture. And my definition of culture is the rituals, beliefs, behaviors, objects, and other characteristics common to the members of a particular group. And so I'm really focusing on those rituals and traditions, those things that make Alabama football and the fan base what it is. And obviously the same side for Texas, but because we're in Tuscaloosa, um, I'm really going to try to focus on on the scene and getting, just capturing, capturing, um, all of the all of the cultures, all of the pride that's going to be really um, intersecting there in Tuscaloosa this weekend. Hey, I want to talk about the game itself. Uh, what makes you think Texas can win this game? You know, um, I think it's I think it's that fire from last year. I think it's I think it's the rematch. Everyone's thirsty. Everyone's everyone's ready for it. Um, Texas has a lot more to prove than Alabama this season, I would say. Um, and I think that this is probably Texas's best opportunity to do that, especially coming into the SEC next year. Do you ever see Arch Manning? I have personally not seen him on campus, but that boy loses his student ID all the time. I'm seeing on Twitter pictures of his <laughs> student ID like three different times, dropped down on campus. 
<laughs> that sounds like Eli. <laughs> that sounds like Eli Manning. <laughs> uh, what, uh, getting back to the actual game, what impresses you about the University of Alabama? Ooh, uh, what doesn't impress me about the University of Alabama? Um, honestly, my favorite thing about watching Alabama football is just knowing that Nick Saban is truly someone that I admire so much. Me and Lars had a great conversation. He told me so many anecdotes about Nick Saban that I probably never would have heard if I hadn't gotten the opportunity to talk to him. And, um, yeah, I think that Nick Saban, to me, to me, this game really feels like a coaching, a coaching matchup. And I think that's what it was last year, too. And I'm really, really excited to see that. Did you, you know, record the yep. interview with Lars? Anna. Did you, Anna? Did you record the interview last night? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yeah. All right. I, I'm, I'm going to give you my email address. I have to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, it, it's so interesting hearing Anna talk because um, just with with such reverence for Nick Saban and uh, Matt. Sometimes I just I think we're so close to to Nick. We're so close to what's going on. Sometimes we lose track of the bigger picture and how he is viewed, not just in this state, but around the country and around the world as not just one of the best coaches of all time, but one of the best leaders of all time. I don't think there's any question about that. Anna, are they going to take care of you? Are they going to feed you? Are they going to take you to dreamland? Are they going to, are you going to stay at a nice hotel or are they going to put you in, yeah, tents in the, in the quad? Yeah. Anna, you got to, yes, you got to sam- sample the barbecue here and you have to, you know, maybe you can come back on and answer the definitive question. What is better, Texas barbecue or Bama barbecue? Oh. Sounds great. Sounds great. I'm so excited to really experience all of the culture there. I know people are so devoted. Everything is, is Alabama down there. And I'm, I really never experienced anything like that. In Texas, we have so many other sports that people are really devoted to, you know, not having as much success in football. Um, we don't tend to focus on that too much. Uh, so I'm so ecstatic to see all of this devotion to the religion of college football. Great stuff, Anna. Safe travels. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Anna. Thanks, Anna. And uh, hopefully everybody will treat you really, really well, and I'm sure they will. Um, yeah, have a have a terrific weekend, and let's definitely reconnect uh, once uh, the game is over and, uh, and tell me how your piece went. All right, Matt, what do we got coming up here? Well, I, I want to throw something out at you, what happened to the Duke quarterback following the uh, huge win over Clemson this past weekend. I thought it was really interesting and very much Duke. I've got that story. Of course, we'll continue to talk about the matchup between the Longhorns and the Crimson Tide on the other side of this break as you listen to Big Noon Sports. If you're Laura Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. 
benefit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lee at thebamabroker.com. That's lee at thebamabroker.com. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Most of you just heard about Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker, Advantage Realty Group. Uh, she may drop by and join us again this Friday afternoon as we broadcast our show, Noon to Two. Big Noon Sports from Ennis Free, uh, right there in Tuscaloosa. Last week we went, we opened the season, and it was a fantastic time. We hope that you folks come by and join us. There'll be 500,000 people in town. <laughs> wow. Um, Maybe. Yeah. Know, we're, we're that gonna would get... make it like the third largest city in the South. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm, texting, like I'm texting Mayor Maddox right now to see if we can get well, him on tomorrow. You know... Uh, I would guess uh, on the low end, they'll probably be close to 100,000, wouldn't you think? And I've got to yeah. rethink the, when I when I leave and when I drive back, when I go over to Tuscaloosa to do post-game show. Did you cover that 2011 LSU game? Uh, yeah. As a matter of fact, Lars, that's one of the – when uh, you and I got to know each other a little bit better – you may not remember this. You will after I tell you. But, you know, that game got so much media exposure. You, you said yeah, it was game a game of the century. century. It, was, it was just incredible. And you and I did a remote broadcast from Eagle Point Golf Course. Oh, that's right. Do you remember <laughs> that? <laughs> yeah. What show was that? I came out. Uh, it was I, when I was on The Zone. Um, yeah, that's right. Uh, I was doing like a midday show there or something. I don't know. Yeah. Originally it was with Wimp, and then you came in. Carrie Estes came in. Hamilton McCorder would come in and disrupt everything. But it was a lot of fun, and uh, that was a good show and a good station. Uh, if a couple of things hadn't gone wrong, you and I would still be there. But um, do you you remember that? Because I mean, we I do. That I game. vividly remember that. And, we talked uh, that game so deep. Yeah. And both of us. I remember the the Friday. It was a Friday that we were doing the show. Both of us agreed that uh, Alabama had something LSU did not, and he'd be the difference. And that was Trent Richardson. Yeah. Just it didn't work out that way. Uh, what a smash mouth no. clobber knocker that was. Yeah, Alabama should have won that game. They had so many opportunities. And gosh, I ended up writing a long piece, and I can't remember who it was for. I think it was Bleacher Report. It was I'll, Bleacher I'll, Report. Yeah, and uh, something like 57 future NFL players were in that game. Uh, and there's wow. so much star power in the crowd. I'll, I'll find the piece and, and, uh, and get the information, but. LeBron James was there. 
Gosh, it was just so many, so many people and just the eyes of the entire sporting uh, world were on Tuscaloosa that night. And I think there's going to be a, a similar dynamic on Saturday uh, in, in T-Town as well. Riley Leonard, name you've probably picked up over the weekend. If not, make yourself familiar with him. He is the Duke quarterback and was a significant participant and a contributor in their huge upset win, 28-7. to I know They didn't just dance around it. They punched Clemson in the mouth. Clemson tried every way they possibly could to help them, and they did, but Duke still won the football game, and by many accounts, convincingly. Anyway, this young man is from Fairhope, Alabama, and he's the starting quarterback at Duke, and he had an assignment over the weekend that I guess was due on Monday, it being Labor Day and all, and he didn't finish it. So I think he tweeted his professor and asked him if he could have an extension on the time. You know what the professor said, Lars? What was that? No way, man. (laughs) (laughs) And then he, he cited a perfect example and another player that was in the same class, maybe more than one. He said, these guys did their prep work in advance and they're handing in their assignments on time. No way, man. <laughs> yeah, so the professor, uh, 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 I just see his, uh, his name's Professor Taylor, uh, and he's in Duke's, uh, Sanford School of Public Policy. He, uh, he said in a video posted on Duke Media Social, Hey, Riley, great game last night, man. It was so exciting. Congratulations to you and all your teammates. But you know, uh, Wesley Williams, who's a Duke defensive end, and another lineman who are in the class, they said they prepared ahead and did it ahead of time. So why didn't the quarterback? <laughs> oh, that's a brilliant. It is hard to argue with his logic. A quarterback, and then, and then he said, he finally finished it by saying, so, no way, man, no extension. <laughs> Oh. All right, Lars. Given the same situation, how would you have reacted? Oh man, uh, I am such a softy. I probably would have given the extension. Uh, in but I shouldn't because deadlines are everything in journalism. Deadlines are more important in journalism than almost any other job because if you don't meet the deadline, what happens? You'll you lose run. your job. Yeah, you're you're gone. You're gone. And um, I'm happy to say I've never whiffed on a deadline in my career uh, with either a, a book uh, or a magazine story. But um, I probably just cursed myself. Uh, but uh, I probably would grant the extension. I've had I've had several athletes before, and I you know I try not to. It has to be an extraordinary circumstance to get an extension without it affecting your grade. And so, uh, you know, in this case, I actually, I probably wouldn't strike that. No, I wouldn't. Uh, this professor did the right thing, uh, because if you just, you can't treat 
athletes different than regular than the, the non-athlete students, right? It, it's it's life. You need to. Good you, Lord, you, come on, man. You know, I you, know you. I've you know your, your schedule. Class. You have. You've spoken many I, times I, to my class. I know how you treat your students, and I think you would have given the break to the young kid from Pelham that was a non-athlete, and then the star kid from Tarrant. Uh, I, I think you'd have gone both ways, and I wonder if. Uh, if maybe behind the scenes, the guy doesn't say, all right, I'm going to cut you a little slack, but it's early in the season, and yeah. we're not putting this on Twitter. I just love how the professor responded. I mean, there's a reason he's teaching at Duke, right? There's a reason uh, the kid's going to Duke. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> oh, but uh, that's a great story. Hey, we we don't get involved with our listening audience enough, and uh, we're making an effort as we appear in public, and then you know, kind of give you a heads up to call us. I want to talk to the people, the fans, about the Alabama Texas game. If you want to chime in on Jalen Melrose, please do. But go ahead and give us a call two zero five. Three four two nine nine zero four. I know it takes a, a little bit of an effort, but we're not bad guys. We're not going to berate you. Just give us a call. Let's talk some football. I mean, that's what this show is ninety eight percent about. So again, it's two zero five three four two nine nine zero four. I also wonder if it makes any difference, Lars, if you're just two weeks into the season, as far as what the professor decided there. Yeah, uh, it, it is. Uh, it's very early. Uh, I just don't know, you know, what the exact assignment. Season, not <laughs> it's very early. <laughs> yeah, um, true, true. Um, but all right, you, you just mentioned Jalen Milrow. What What are your expectations for him on Saturday, based upon what we've seen? so far out of him this year and then obviously the sample size is extremely limited against a inferior opponent i will tell you one thing about quarterbacks in crimson just in general um i know it's been a short week with labor day but even talking among your friends and over breakfast or dinner or whatever nobody's going who's going to start quarterback for alabama and that's something we've been talking about for eight months (laughs) now uh, so I guess, first of all, he settled that. I want to see, and this is obvious, but it's, and that's, there's, that's for a reason. I want to see how he can do it against a much better defense, much better skilled defense. I don't know how much better Texas's uh, defense is than it was a year ago. One has to assume that it is better, but I, I think, you know, there's, um, there's a lot to just uh, adjusting to the moment. Uh, and he did very well against the Blue Raiders. This is, as I've said, and I'll probably say it eight more times this year, this is a Texas Longhorns, a program on the rise, a storied program, uh, a program with, with Ricky Williams and good grief. I could go um, on and on and on about their, their superstar players. They have one uh, lined up behind center uh, in Quinn Ewers. Um 
can he capture the moment again under much more intense circumstances? And, you know, and against DBs that have got to be far more skilled than what he faced last Saturday night. Yeah. And, um, you know, in going back to last year's game, neither you nor I were in Austin, but it seemed to me it was one of the most hostile environments that Alabama has played in in recent memory. Uh, that was a huge home crowd advantage. And it, it, it seemed to discombobulate the offense in particular early in the game. And, uh, you know, it was almost like uh, it, the, the, I think the, the noise level there just kind of it, 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 it not perplexed, but it, it, it kind of rattled Alabama. Uh, in the like first half of the game, especially, it really did, and I haven't seen that often. Have you? No, no, no. It, that, that's because it was really striking. It's like, whoa, haven't haven't seen this like ever. Um, so hopefully uh, for Alabama, uh, that the crowd is uh, turns the decibel level up to eleven. Um, I don't normally share texts on air from. Uh, others, but I have to share the one from Robbie Glenn. He just texted a minute ago, Lars might not have ever missed a deadline, but he sure has missed a tea time. <laughs> <laughs> I was three freaking minutes late, Robbie. If you're late, you're late. If you're late, the bus is in gear and you're late and you're left. Uh, <laughs> he did call you 30 seconds after 8.30, right? Yep, uh, it was 30 seconds. Like, you're late. You're late. Uh, hey, uh, a great article that I read on AL.com this morning uh, about players from Texas attending the University of Alabama and something incredibly unique about them. It's coming up on Big Noon Sports. Also, dial us up. Let's talk a little Longhorns Crimson Tide. 205-342-9904. On the next Inside the Locker Room with Coach Wimp Sanderson and Barry Sanderson. Tune in on Thursday at 7.30. J.C. Sherbrooke will join us. In the second hour, we'll have Dad release the second Blue Plate Special of the Year. Currently 1-0. We'll see if he can hit this week. Inside the Locker Room, weekdays 7 to 9 a.m. on Tide 100.9 and Tide100.9.com. Guess what? Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of r Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to r and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, 
our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A mix of sun and clouds this afternoon. The chance of a few showers or strong thunderstorms through tonight. The high today, 91. The low tonight, 68. Or tomorrow and Friday, the sky's sunny both days. Not as humid. The high tomorrow, 89. The high Friday, 87. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 90 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Uh, along with Lars Anderson. Hey, Justin, we have not addressed you yet today. How the heck are you? I'm doing good. I'm probably caught you off guard. I apologize. You're fine. Uh, I'm doing good. I was I was just telling you all in the in the break that you know uh, Lars Anderson. Well, one, I thought he'd be doing jumping jacks and backflips because I saw that Joe Burrow is expected to to practice or to play. So, oh yeah, he's playing. Yeah, and uh, we all know that Lars is a nice guy. He'd give that extension on the homework. Come on. <laughs> I am. I, I, I'm I a softie. I'm a softie with my students. Uh, I probably shouldn't be. Is but that why your classes just continue to grow? And grow <laughs> yes. And grow and grow and grow. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's why there's a wait list to get in because uh, the students know. I don't know. Justin, you, you, uh, hopefully there's not that word on the street that, uh, you know, hey, take Lars's class. He's really easy. No, there's not that word. I, <laughs> I, I think it's it, it's a really good class, and I enjoyed it when I took it. I I would have taken it even more, though, if I knew that that's how it was. No, I'm yeah. just kidding. <laughs> wow. Oh, well, well, I hear background fodder. Uh, J- JD Zaza, who's also uh-huh. a, a former student of uh, Lars, is hey, get JD on. He's a. I got to ask. How are you doing, guys? Hey JD. hey, JD. JD, what'd you JD? make? What did J- JD got an A? I'm uh, pretty sure. Ask, uh, oh, sorry, I should have yeah, said I that. It, I took his class twice. Yeah, Was you flunk it the first time. <laughs> no, I took I took I regular that. sports writing and advanced sports writing, both with Lars. Lars, are these courses required for a degree? Uh, no, no, they're electives, pretty much, right, JD? I know that mine mine was required because I took it as a substitute. Um, okay, yeah, it, it depends on what track you're on. It's it's, it's yeah. somewhat complicated. Well, I'm uh, I'm just curious. So if um, you know, a biochemistry major just needed to get a B. Do you have any of those people wandering into your classroom? No. Uh, it's really sort of everybody in uh, the journalism in the journalism and creative media department for the most part. Every once in a while, uh, there will be somebody from a, another school. But it, it's, uh, I'd say, 99% of the students are... Um, are are majoring in some aspect of journalism. Wow. And you're teaching two courses this year? Advanced and regular? 
I'm teaching, I teach three every semester and this semester two of them are online and one is in person. So, um, online. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know how interesting this is to people listening. I'll just ask one more question. <laughs> is that difficult or is it easier because you don't have to drive? Um, it's just, it's a, it's a different dynamic. Um, I prefer in-class uh, sessions, you know, where you can look the students in the eye and and really sort of just talk about whatever is on your mind. Like last night, I uh, or yesterday, I spoke for a long time about my personal view that there is a big relationship between music and writing. And, and, and how, if you just, if you listen to music really closely, it can help your writing in the rhythm and the cadence and the beats and, and just, uh, you know, you just, you, you, you want your writing to be musical and lyrical and, and you get that if you can infuse it with, you know, the, some of the elements of, of really good music. And, uh, of course I was referencing Pearl Jam and, and I, I asked the students like one particular song, release me for Pearl Jam. It, it's, it's a song that I absolutely am, am obsessed with right now because I just figured out what release me is really all about. And it's about releasing pain and, um, and, and, and I asked them, Hey, how many of you guys have heard release me? You know, just blank looks. <laughs> like so, that uh, big a gen- difference. Yes, in generation. <laughs> yes. Uh, no and you love music too, Matt. I mean, oh, you understand. Wow. Do you agree that there is a correlation? Absolutely. I mean, I think even if you're, and that's what I was saying too. Like, even if you're want to go into to broadcasting or, or radio, there's uh, a, like just a, a pitch that you want to hit, right? Oh yeah, and. Uh, I think this is true for a lot of a lot of people that end up in radio and television started in radio in some very very small mom and pop owned station in a very small town. My town wasn't small, but I started at a gospel Christian radio station in Huntsville, Alabama. But you don't just immediately become a newscaster or a sportscaster. The first thing you're probably going to do is you're going to run Sunday morning tapes like I did. But once you get an actual chance to be on air, you're a disc jockey. And I tell you what, I didn't make a lot of money, but I had more fun being a disc jockey. And that was large in part due to music. And I know it was top 40 and we would play some songs over and over and over again. But it's very relatable between what you do as a sports writer. I would think, you know, news writer, uh, sportscaster, newscaster. I mean, pu- public speaking, right? Yeah. Like, like it's, the best, the best, pol- the, the best politicians, the best yeah, the best, the best politicians, the best orators. Uh, there's an element of music to their speech pattern, and I was just thinking of uh, Deion Sanders. You know, his his uh, his talk to his players in the locker room that kind of has gone viral over uh, social media. It's just, uh, man, he, he just, he gets it. You know, it's like, oh, no, 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 no. And it's like, you could almost put some music behind him. It's so powerful oh, the way, the way he speaks. Idea. 
<laughs> we'll turn all his post-game talks into rap music <laughs> or soul music or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, it, it doesn't stray far from Tuscaloosa. Uh, Nick Saban has often made reference to conferences he's attended and oh, yeah. to, to groups that he liked. And, and I'm right there with him. I love the Stones. I love the Eagles. Uh, yep. And those are the two I think he's mentioned most prominently, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And he goes to those concerts. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know that he necessarily does anymore. He's probably got a man cave that can just reproduce live uh, performance of No More Cloudy Days. So, anyway, uh, that's that's music and the world of sports. <laughs> well, yeah. So, and that's why I just circling back to the original point. That's why I like in person class sessions yeah. is because you can have just uh, you know uh, extemporaneous discussions about different things and i it was just on my mind because i had just heard the heard the song uh, right before class and i just wanted to share it with the students and hear what they thought about the correlation between music and writing and in music and sports i talked to vince carter i did a long piece on vince carter uh a couple years ago and 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 vince you know there are the, the the way he plays basketball it's like it's 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 music to it's it, it's like a, a physical manifestation of music uh and in and i think it's one reason why athletes are always listening to music before games i mean i really think this is a topic that could be explored in great depth and it would be a great book uh to really dig into Again, this relationship between music and sports and, and writing and just, or just how music, it impacts other, so many other aspects of our life. And, you know, I, I don't really joke, but some of the other writers that my, my good friends who are, you know, just absolutely excellent writers, it's like we always say, like, you can either hear the music or you can't. And that's almost the difference between a good writer and, say, a great writer. The great writers can hear the music. They hear the beats, you know, and, uh, and, and, and that's what breeds lyricism in writing. I believe that again, and we we could go on for a long yeah, time on well, this. Well, especially especially the two of us because uh, we talk about this off here a lot too, and yes. have played music for each other that the other was not real familiar with, and it light you know lit up my world. Um, okay, back to AL.com, the quarterbacks in Texas. Okay, Craig Stevenson from AL.com wrote a very interesting article this morning about some of the bigger name and more successful uh, players to come from Texas and play at Alabama. Well, I found this interesting. One will start at quarterback for Alabama. All right. That would be Jalen Milrow. One is now the highest paid player in the history of the NFL. Another Jalen, Jalen Hurts. There's one more Jalen that's not a quarterback that is also in the NFL. The speedster, Jalen Waddle. So not only are uh, they all very successful leaving Texas and coming to Alabama, but three of them are named Jalen. 
I thought that was worthy of about the 15 seconds that I dedicated to it. All right, uh, coming up next, the voice of the Auburn Tigers, Andy Burcham on Big Noon Sports. Laura Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. That's Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. A Town Square Media Station. WTUG HD2 Northport. W265CG Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. With Lars Anderson, Matt Colton, and our outstanding producer, Justin Jones. And speaking of outstanding, voice of the Auburn Tigers, Andy Burcham is joining us. Andy, we hadn't talked so far this season. How are you, man? Matt, I'm doing very, very well. Hope you are. Oh. I mean, it's football season in the state of Alabama. Uh, it just uh, If it cool off just a little bit more, we'll all be great. Um, Lars and I have talked about exactly Auburn right. all week, Andy, and um, I I was more than just a little impressed. I thought the way Hugh Freeze operated, the way he used his quarterbacks. Uh, I'm, I'm saying all this when I really just want to ask you, what was your grade? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I would give it a solid B. For the game, uh, I think Auburn did what it wanted to do. Did not show probably what it didn't want to show in the game. Came out of the game relatively healthy, although the news uh, just a few moments ago with regard to Austin Keys is not good at the at a linebacker spot that was already a bit thin. Uh, looks like he's out for a while with the thumb. Uh, but but other than that, I thought Auburn you know played a, a, a rather efficient game. Showed enough of its offense, probably not all of it. Did not have Jarquest Hunter available in the game. Don't know if he will be available this Saturday night at Cal or not at this point. But um, I, I thought it was a good debut and, and perhaps more than anything else, just a, a fabulous atmosphere. Folks have been anticipating that ball game, that, that opportunity to see Hugh Freeze and this staff and this team in, in game one against UMass. Yeah, I, I want to talk to you about that atmosphere. Um, the, the fact that 
It was the largest home crowd in Auburn history. And I know that there was a, an expansion, right? Seating capacity went up. But the fact that you had that against UMass, I mean, to me, it, it's almost equivalent to uh, the A-Day game when Nick Saban first arrived, right? Like uh, that that record. And, and can you just... You're, you're so good at, at painting pictures with words. Can you paint the picture of, of just the whole scene and the atmosphere? Well, it is something that has been a point of emphasis in athletics since John Cohen was named the athletic director last year, and then he hired his staff. And then Hugh Freeze, of course, came aboard. And since that point, that that first game, come home to the plains, was the was the term used and. Uh, Red Hobart, who's Auburn's executive director for external affairs, or deputy AD for external affairs, just talked about he, he wanted to like that game to opening day of Major League Baseball. And it, I think they, they succeeded in that. That game was a sellout. Next week's game at home against Stanford is a sellout. The Ole Miss game is a sellout. Obviously, Georgia-Alabama are sellouts. The only two games that are not sellouts right now our Mississippi State and New Mexico State. I guess depending on how Auburn's doing at those point, those could be sellouts as well. So it has been a, a point of emphasis for the program, for the athletic department, and Auburn folks have responded uh, to to what they have seen from Hugh Freeze and his staff and this program, certainly from a recruiting standpoint. That is, I, it, it appears to be headed in the right direction right now. So I think all of that is, is to say, and we had a really nice day. I mean, we caught a break on some weather. It was about 10 degrees cooler than it had been the previous Saturday. And and all of that led to a t- terrific atmosphere and a crowd of over 88,000 for the first time ever at Jordan Air Stadium. Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, is our guest. Andy, all the season openers that you've done there at Jordan Air, whether it's a home opener or a season opener, was... Um, was the electricity more so than any you've had since you've been there? And we can go back before when you were doing play-by-play. And if so, how much? It's hard to, to put a number on that, Matt. And the anticipation going into this season has certainly been, and I don't recall it being this this high going into a season as we've seen it this year. And I think it's, you know, trying to put the last two years behind them, uh, certainly. What Hugh Freeze has done from a recruiting standpoint, transforming a roster from last November to opening day, one. And then what he has started to do with the 2024 and 2025 classes. Uh, that that all has gone into uh, the fact that, and, and, and let me say this, I don't think you can minimize what the last month of last season did for the first part of this season and what Carnell and his staff did in that interim phase for the last four games that last month of last season. Because to that point, it had been a very tough year for Auburn football. And for Auburn to go two and two in those last four games and Carnell helped restore enthusiasm and hope I think and this staff and that team helped restore it and then Hugh Freeze has taken it to another level coming into this season. It, I don't know if it was as good a, 
opening day atmosphere as I've ever seen. But I think the lead up to it was certainly as good as I've ever seen here at Auburn. Yeah, and speaking of uh, the, just uh, the lead up to the game, um, okay, it's easy to make Brian Harson into a punching bag, and we don't want to do that. But can you compare just the beginning of Hugh Freeze's tenure to the beginning of Harson's tenure? Uh, because you, you've had a front row seat to both of them. Let me say, I mean, there was a lot of that, uh, a lot of optimism in that that year number one with Brian Harson, and that, that team got off to a really good start. You know, let's let's not forget that that team won in Baton Rouge for the first time since 1999, and had beaten Arkansas at Arkansas, and had beaten Ole Miss. Uh, it had lost at Penn State, but otherwise was playing really well. And I don't know if it's that game or not that things changed, but that loss to the Mississippi State when Auburn had such a large lead in the first half and then ended up losing. But that's the point, I think, when things started to go the opposite direction. And I, I thought that team had a great deal of optimism going into the season. But there's no question uh, that this team is ready. This, this team, this program, this, you know, fan base, was was ready for what Hugh Freeze has been able to do, uh, and his quick pace on offense, and the the staff that he brought in, the the players that the 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 former players that he retained on the staff, and Carnell Williams and Zach Etheridge, and bringing Marcus Davis back as as the wide receivers coach. Um, so, you know, there was just a lot going in, and there was just a great effort by by Auburn, and you guys may have heard and. Some folks may roll their their eyes a little bit, but I, I truly believe that the alignment from Sanford Hall and Dr. Roberts, the president, and John Cohen, the athletic director, and Hugh Freeze. I mean, that's it's as good as it's been in a long, long time. I don't know. I don't know when it's been this good. Where everyone and let me add the board of director, the board of trustees, into that mix as well. I'm not sure I can remember a time. In the past, perhaps you go back to the 80s when when Coach Die was football coach and athletic director, and everything seemed to be headed in the same direction. Uh, but but I, I I I get that now, and it's it's been like that for quite some time. Over the last few months, certainly uh, since since all these folks, relatively new folks, have been named to, to their to their positions. Andy, did you make it a point to um, leave Jordan-Hare Stadium and get a glimpse of Toomer's Corner, or did you have a six-pack of Charmin underneath your arm to go participate? <laughs> a great tradition in college football returned, and I think that's very, very cool. Yeah, it's nice that they can they can really roll the Toomer's Oaks now. The, the Toomer's Oaks that were replanted several years ago, they now have deemed it safe for those trees to, to roll them. I did not make it. I never have made it the tumor's corner after a home football game and it's just there, there's too much that i'm doing it's just too hard to try and get to tumor's corner um i was i was glad that that q freeze and his family and athletic director john cohen in their first games together were able to make it to tumor's corner but that's something that typically i'm not a, I, I can't make it there after a home football game, I like if, if if Auburn has won on the road, 
and we're coming back into town. I and you know things have died down a little bit. I I do like to drive by it and take a look after everyone has has moved on and they're having a good time somewhere else. But no, I didn't I didn't make it to Tumor's Corner. Okay, Andy, uh, heading out to Cal. Um, one, uh, what's the travel schedule? And is this the longest road trip that you can remember? And just expectations for what will transpire out there in Berkeley. Yeah, Auburn will leave tomorrow. So Auburn will leave a day early than typically. It would typically be heading out on Friday for a Saturday game. But with this game being on the West Coast, with this game being as late as it is, um, Hugh Freeze wanted to get out there a day early just to become acclimated to the West Coast, become acclimated to the, the time zone. Uh, they will, we, they will leave tomorrow mid afternoon and, and fly to Berkeley. From what I understand, it's a five hour flight. Uh, I don't know how long it took to get to Pasadena in 2014 for the national championship game that was held at the Rose Bowl, but that was, that was a long trip. But yeah, this will be among the, the longest trips that Auburn has taken from a, from a mileage standpoint. But they'll, they'll have all day Friday to, uh, to meet. They're going to have a, a walkthrough practice, I, I think at a junior college in the area and then uh, get ready and, and, and be ready for, for Cal on Saturday night, a 9.30 start. This will be the latest um, starting time for an Auburn football game in the history of the program. Well, safe travels, Andy. Guys, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I'm looking for. I've never been to Berkeley, so I'm looking forward to get there. Uh, it's going to uh, be great. You know, talk about the greatest cultural difference in the United States of America is <laughs> Auburn, Alabama, and Berkeley, California. But uh, Andy, thank you. Appreciate it. Y'all take care. Have a great day. Thank you. Oh, you bet. Uh, Andy just does such a great job, and uh, Andy does baseball, basketball, and football. What a labor of love that must be! All right, uh, I want to talk some ticket prices and something that might surprise you when we get back. It's Lars, Justin, and Matt on Big Noon Sports. At 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A mix of sun and clouds this afternoon. The chance of a few showers or strong thunderstorms through tonight. The high today, 91. The low tonight, 68. Or tomorrow and Friday, the sky's sunny both days. Not as humid. The high tomorrow, 89. The high Friday, 87. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 91 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. It is indeed. Getting ready for Alabama and Texas Saturday night at 6 o'clock here at, uh, at Bryant-Denny Stadium. And we... We uh, initiate some phone calls here on this Wednesday afternoon at 205-342-9904. We go to Steve. Steve, what's on your mind today? Huddle glasses yearning to be me. How are you? <laughs> okay. That's what a good happening? start. Yeah, well, it always is. You know, it's, it's tough being me. <laughs> Lars, let me start with you a minute, partner. You bet. Um, have you ever, do you ever, Intend on writing fiction, the novel. 
I won't would let like, you do that for a long yeah, time. I would like to. I want to. Uh, I, I may have something to announce as soon as tomorrow for a big book. Uh, but, uh, um, I, I'd like to write, I, I yes, I, I do want to get into fiction. I'd like to write this next book and then a memoir and then fiction. Uh, I really want to try it. Yes. Well, I, you, we, you, you guys yesterday were talking about Jimmy Buffett and, and he's, um, he's, he's just as iconic as they come. I'm a, I got, I got his, all his albums. I got, most all of his books, his novels, and if you want to start reading some novels and escapism, start there. What, what's your favorite Jimmy Buffett memory? <clears throat> well, I've been to see him like six times. <laughs> so uh, I remember the first time I was uh, went to see him, I think, where was it? It was in Mobile, as a matter of fact. Um, I forget the, the location. And I uh, took my, uh, I was with a friend, and we were so far away from the concert platform that by the time it got to us, it was a rumor. So we just kind of meandered through the, through the crowd there <clears throat> and got two seats right next to the, you could, you could feel the sweat. <clears throat> and that was probably the, a turning point in my Buffett career. It's been nice. It's been a great run. Great run. And where was that again? Mobile. Okay. That's where, uh, uh man, he loved the coast. Oh, it, it, it was great. It was, this. I'm, I'm still, almost still, still a little bit in shock. I can't believe he's actually gone. Yeah. But that all had happened. Listen, wanted to get to you about this weekend. Um, I don't have a lot to say about Miro. I think, I think he did great. But it's like everybody else has been saying. Um, there was one game, and it was Middle Tennessee. Uh, and I'm not that. Look, I'm not trying to take anything away from him. I just, I just don't think the curtains come down. You know, is is up on him just yet. <clears throat> I was a little shocked that uh, Buckner was the first man back, the next man back to come in. I, I thought it'd be, you know, the other guy. Yeah. Do you think we're going to, yeah, yeah. Um, I was, I was, I was, I was, me too, me too. This weekend, I'm, I'm a little conflicted. Uh, I'm a big Sarkeesian fan. And not just because of his coaching prowess. He's obviously a, a tremendous play caller and probably will be a head coach as well. But I do understand the demons that he's battled and, and the, the, Mountains that he's uh, has had to overcome, and I think he's. I just I don't know if that's taken into consideration. It broke my heart when he went to Texas because I got now I don't have much of the state of Texas. <laughs> I had been a long time, but I just I'm conflicted. I want Alabama to win clearly. If I live here, they're my they're, they're that's who I root for. But I also root for him. I want him to succeed. <laughs> I think there are a lot of people that feel that way, and he has said publicly how important Nick Saban's decision to bring him back under the Crimson Wing has meant to him. Um, but I think you too, on the other side, you got to fear this a little bit, man. This guy can call a game now. That's what I, that's and, what scares me. I, I have you know, no confidence in this in Saturday at all. Not that I not that I'm been, I'm displeased. I just 
I haven't, you know, what, what it's, it's really, it's really the same thing second verse. It, it could be all over again, except the, you know, the roles were reversed this time around. How do you think the Alabama fan base feels? Do you think they share your, you know, nervousness about this game? I think it's probably 50-50, you know. You've got Alabama fans. They're, they're, they're the Alabama fans that, that do not believe in losing, that they'll ever lose. Um, and then you have people like me that because of, because of so many unanswered questions coming into this season, there's still a little bit of trepidation. And, I, and I, Lars, I'm like you, Matt. I, I know I know you agree that Quentin Ewers is, is a pretty stinking good quarterback. <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, I don't know that they'll be intimidated coming in Tuscaloosa. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I don't, I don't, I don't see that. I, I don't have to base it on. I just don't, I just oh. don't sense that. That's a that's a very interesting point. And yeah, it's a really good point. I would uh, I would have to agree with you, wouldn't you, Lars? Yeah, I mean they learned last year that they can stand toe to toe with Alabama. I mean, there's yeah. uh, you know, Steve, we, we've talked so much about how, um, and and we've all witnessed this. That Alabama wins games often before kickoff because the other team is just so intimidated by by Nick Saban, by the size of the players, by the environment. But Texas now understands that they can slug it out with Alabama. And they they fully believe that they should have won the game last year and they would have won the game last year if their quarterback hadn't gotten hurt. And frankly, I can't disagree with them on on that. I think they no. would have. If Quinn Ewers doesn't go down, I think they win that game maybe by 10, 14 points. But uh and, and so this is a this is going to be a confident Longhorn team coming in to Tuscaloosa. It, it is extremely hard to win uh in, coming into Brian Denny for the first time. Uh, when, I don't even know when the last time Texas was at Brian Denny Stadium. Uh, I don't probably, believe they've ever played there. I'll, I'll but, have to look it up. Yeah, I mean, Steve, certainly. do you remember? I do not. I, I know I went. No, I, I'm with Matt to answer your question. I, I don't remember. Uh, I, I believe I heard somebody say yes once. You know, eons ago, maybe not quite that long ago, but I, I don't remember it. I went to the what, what was it the 1980. 81 Cotton Bowl with Walter Lewis. Oh, yeah. That was, you remember that? Yeah, I do. Uh, Alabama that had was, every chance to win that, that game. Yes, yes, they did. And that, uh, that was, you know, I, I've always said there's no greater, there, there, there are no better fans that opposes Alabama than Penn State. Those are the best fans as, as, as an opposition. The Texas fans are just crap. Yeah, sorry. You know what? I gotta say, I gotta, I, I have to agree here with Steve. I, I have yeah. been to Texas uh, games as a, as a fan, right? Uh, as, as a Nebraska fan, and just been treated horribly. And uh, I, I yeah. mean, I hope yeah. Alabama fans show class, and I'm sure they I do will. Too. 
Uh, but but I I do not care for the the average Texas fan, and that's just based on my own personal experience. Yeah. Well, I think as far as the Alabama team goes, I think if they themselves individually want to win every game, they're going to have to do it themselves. They don't have Bryce Young to carry them. They're going to have to. Every player is going to have to do their part to win the game, to win the season, to win, to go to Atlanta, to go to the playoffs. You know, there's, there's, there's nobody there to carry. So that's my last, that's my last thought about that. But you know, guys, here's my, here's my problem. If, 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 if you got one more minute, this, um, <clears throat> I'm losing, I'm, I'm getting scared, guys. Caught me off the ledge. <laughs> I'm an old guy. Look, I'm Matt Coulter old. <clears throat> <laughs> wow! Whoa! Okay, I, I, that is being written down right now as a, the, the phrase of the year. Yeah. No, well, look, look, he and I go back to WTBC days. I was I was a listener. He and James Van, Dave Baird, and whatnot. Yeah. But here, here's here's my here's my here's my problem, guy. Um, because I am of the age that I am. I have always been an Alabama fan. I wasn't necessarily born here, but I've lived here most of my life. And I didn't even go to school here, but still it's Alabama and that's, that's what I believe. But first, but in as much as that, I am a, I am a college football fan. I will watch, or used to, but don't, won't do it much anymore, stay up just to watch football as extended as I possibly could through the night watching Pac-10, Pac-12 football comes on late but everything that is going on now with the portal with the nil and now with these these i know it's a small thing and like i said i don't have a lot to fixate on other than this at this time of year but they did the, the clock thing uh who comes up with this stuff in the absence of genuine leadership who comes up with this stuff uh, you know, I was, I was listening to somebody say, well, it makes the game shorter. Well, piss on that. I, I love college football. I want to watch college football. I don't care how long it takes. Let them play ball. Don't force their hands and speed things up. And I don't know. I, I'm just ranting. This is, this is my soapbox right now. Do I make any sense at all? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, lot, except for that old part on me. <laughs> Matt, I'm one of your biggest fans, brother. Don't take it too personal. I it, Steve. No, I don't I, mean, I know what I am. I know what you get. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'm right there with you. But I just needed to I just needed to throw that in there to see if I would just come off the just come off the ledge and just enjoy it or do I see it going down an even darker rabbit hole? Uh, and that's what that I do. Um I don't this weekend. I really don't. But Steve, um, call us again anytime. All right? Yeah, I will. Yeah, I appreciate your time, guys. Yeah. Good call. Uh, one of the things I've wondered is um, because Texas fans like them, obnoxious, love them, not, whatever. Um, they they had a lot to say about the particularly the first half of that football game in Austin. I mean, they were disruptive. Lars, can Alabama do that back? I'd like to see it. Yeah. And I think uh, f- fully capable of it. Um, you know, the, the again, I, I've been to the stadium in Austin, and 
uh, it's not uh, really conducive for a lot of crowd noise because it, 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 it there's ways for the noise to escape. But uh, and it, just as there is a Brian Denny, and like you've heard people say for years that Alabama fans sit on their hands too much, but I think uh, they will be in full throats, full thunder on Saturday. I really do. This is a big game. Let's hope so, because they could really, really make a difference. I got to get to my ticket question for you, Lars, and I will do that coming up on Big Noon Sports. Built to win. Touchdown, Alabama. Built for championships. Throws intercepted, Alabama. Built by Bama. Alabama is still Alabama. Join us Saturday as the Crimson Tide welcome the Texas Longhorns to Tuscaloosa. Our coverage begins at 3 on your home for Alabama football. Tide 100.9. Presented by Birmingham Racecourse and Casino. I-459 at 31. You can be a winner, too. More Big Noon Sports coming up. So, Lars, you've got your choice. And, well, I know what you would say in answer to this question. I have to reword this. Uh, Colorado plays NU, okay? Mm -hmm. And Alabama plays Texas. Now, everyone here knows, I think, that you're a big red guy. You're from, actually, you are from Lincoln. Yes. Which one of those games would you rather attend? Oh, you're killing me. I am. It's a tough question. <laughs> Better pony up here, <laughs> I'd go to Boulder. But, um, I mean, that's your team. Nobody's going to yeah. fault you for that. Yeah. But you know what? Given the fact that, you know, my kids, just the, the travel, you know, I'm not a huge fan of travel anymore. You know, you and I, we both spend so much time on the road. I spent 23 years on airplanes and airports and, and hotels. Good thing and, you weren't on that and, flight that left Atlanta for Europe yesterday. <laughs> read about that? Yeah, go ahead and tell that. Uh, no, I'm not going to. It's just someone <laughs> that lost control of their bowels and ran up and down the aisle. Uh, yeah. Ah! Oh, and they had to turn. Ne- never mind. I'm sorry. That's not. This this show may be full of a little bit of that. <laughs> <laughs> well All right. Put. Go back with your um, kids. With your kids. Yeah. No. It's like you know my kids are here, and and I, I just uh, I just I don't like to really leave. I don't. You know. I unless it's going to be some great vacation, and I don't even like really taking vacations anymore because that's it, kind of been ruined. Other, I like staycations, but uh, but all of it, you know, when you when you travel again as much as as we have, it's uh, I, I I literally now every time I'm going to drive into BHM, uh, driving to over the airport, like I get like a, a queasiness because I just I don't want to get on another airplane. I mean, I've flown I, I don't know millions and millions of miles, but. Um, but I think uh, it's going to be a better atmosphere in Tuscaloosa. 
And again, we're I'm efforting to get Walt Maddox on to uh, get his uh, assessment of how many fans are going to be uh, flooding into the city on Saturday. I think we'll get a good sense of that too on Friday, Matt, when we Absolutely. are doing our show from Innisfree in Tuscaloosa. Uh, and it'd be great for everybody to uh, come, come and join us and, and hang out. Um, so yeah, we're going to hopefully have, have Walt on here soon. But also, you know, we, we, we touched on this briefly yesterday, but I, I really want to get your opinion. And that was the fact that, you know, Alabama was really agitated with Texas officials last season because they put the Alabama fans in the upper deck. And, and that, and, and Alabama was so, you know, ticked off by this that the million dollar ban didn't even make the trip because Texas was going to put them in the upper deck, which I thought was just, uh, really inappropriate and, uh, and disrespectful. Um, and, but you look at the initial contract that was signed between the two. It specified how many tickets you give out, and it's 5,000, but it didn't specify where the fans could sit. And so what did Texas do? They stuck Alabama fans in the nosebleed seats, keeping them away from the lower bowl. So, therefore, you had all Texas fans in the lower bowl, which I think contributed to the crowd noise being so loud and it contributed to the home field advantage being so pronounced and contributed to Alabama's early struggles. I mean, really, I mean, I I think you can draw a correlation here, uh, draw a line, but so turns out, guess what? Alabama keeps receipts as Uh, Deion Sanders would like to say. Uh, So the contract between both schools is not regulated by the SEC, right? If it was regulated by the SEC, then 2,000 of the tickets, uh, 2,000 of the 5,000 that are allotted have to be in the lower bowl. And so... um, and so Texas took this opportunity to give a metaphorical middle finger to Alabama and put them again up in the nosebleeds. Well, guess what? Texas fans are going to have a great view of the flyover on Saturday. They're going to have a really, really good view. It's going to be their best view of the entire game. And you know what? And Greg Byrne, he told uh, Nick Kelly of the Tuscaloosa News, and, and Nick does a great job, I think. Uh, Tuscaloosa News is lucky to have him. That, hey, we're going to show Texas the same kind of hospitality they showed us last year. And his quote in the story was, we are able to, re- to reciprocate a similar seating arrangement to what we had last year in Austin. And the thing is, Texas has pulled this BS before. Uh, they did it with uh, LSU in 2019 when they put the LSU band like literally way up in the nosebleeds. And uh, that was the night that Joe Burrow kind of emerged onto the national scene, if you remember that game in, in Austin. And uh, LSU won the game and went on to win the national championship. And so now this means that, uh, again, all 5,000 Texas fans 
Um, and certainly there'll be a lot more than that in, in town on, on Sunday or on Saturday. But, um, they're, uh, again, they're going to have a really good view of the flyover. And, uh, <laughs> uh, that is Alabama's, uh, welcome. Welcome to Tuscaloosa, Texas. Do you really want to tug on Superman's cape as you enter into the Southeastern Conference? No. uh, The other people have been brothers for a long time. I would think Oklahoma and Texas would be better fit or suited to come in kind of under the radar. But you know what? That's never been the, the, but you know, it, the not, thing is, not, no, it's not. Or football. I, and, and I'm telling they you, think this everything's is, bigger and everything's better. The, the, this is this is the crap you're going to get with Texas moving forward. Just I, I, I'm right, warning right everybody. Nebraska, as a Nebraska person, we had to deal with this in the Big 12. And it's a big reason why Nebraska left the Big 12 for the Big 10 because Texas was just so whiny and bitchy about everything. And, you know, adios, Texas. And uh, I have strong feelings about Texas, obviously. Obviously, but, uh, and uh, so did Steve and, and many others. Okay, but, I got but the thing this is, question. Can I, well, can I say really quick? Yeah. It's not kids who made this decision. It's the adults. It's the grown-ups in the room that did this nonsense. And that... It's Texas. In a long run. All right. Uh, here's the question. And it's not nearly as interesting what you just brought forward about the ticket situation. But which ticket is more expensive, Boulder or Tuscaloosa? I'm guessing Boulder. It is. But Boulder seats 30,000 less than Brian Denny. So, so but, uh, it's by kind of a wide margin. Um, okay. What is, uh, what is it? Wrap- do you, uh, do you I have think the average? You get one for four hundred at uh, Boulder, and for like two fifty at Alabama. Now that is walk in the gate, and you're lucky if you can sit with the, the Texas band. You know, I, I, I think that is just. I imagine fifty yard line seats are going two thousand dollars. Hey, we'll talk about that uh, a little bit more on the other side of the break as we wrap up the Wednesday edition of Big Noon Sports. Weekday mornings at 6 a.m. The Martin Houston Show. Join us on Thursday as we keep the conversation rolling for Bama, Texas 2.0. We'll have Max Recruiting joining us. Will the Texas-Alabama game impact recruiting as Alabama has several guys from Texas? Also, we'll continue to look into the keys to victory and start looking at the players of the game. Catch the Martin Houston Show from 6 to 7 weekday mornings on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A mix of sun and clouds this afternoon. The chance of a few showers or strong thunderstorms through tonight. The high today, 91. The low tonight, 68. Tomorrow and Friday, the sky's sunny both days. Night is humid. The high tomorrow, 89. The high Friday, 87. I'm James Spann of the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 92 degrees in Tuscaloosa. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Indeed it is. Thanks to Anna Sophia Meyer, Texas student, headed to Alabama this weekend. 
on a special assignment in the School of Journalism, uh, which both Alabama and Texas participate in. Pretty, pretty cool. Pretty cool story. Um, also, Andy Burcham. And I don't feel like I ought to call Andy back because I forgot the most one of the most important questions. And that's how it was working with Jason Campbell and Will Herring as opposed to Stan White. But we'll get to that maybe next week. Um, I'm not a big Texas fan, Lars, as you just explained. You are not either. And I'm going to tell you why real quickly. The other game of the century, or one of the 15 other games of the century, was in 1969 in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Now, um, you were not even with us at that time, Lars, but I'm sure you've read about it. But uh, Arkansas... Was that the uh, President Nixon there? Yes, Nixon was there, and it was a slugfest, but... um, Texas managed to had a quarterback that scrambled Steve something and they beat my Razorbacks and I have hated them ever since. So, and that's back in the great Southwest Conference days when they had seven teams from Texas and one team from Arkansas to make up the Southwestern Conference complement of eight. But uh, I just, uh, I remember watching that game. I think I even cried. Because back then, um, Arkansas was my team. Alabama was uh, not really on the radar because that's where my dad went. That's where I was born uh, since having grown up in the state now uh, and gone to the University of Alabama. I've changed a little, but there's no question who my second is. But So uh, you can add me to the lengthy list of people <laughs> that don't care for the Longhorns. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean, we'll dig into this uh, more, you know, the the rest of the week of w- why everyone should hate Texas. But uh, <laughs> um, and, and I I hate saying that, but uh, it, it's that's uh, the way you feel. That's the way I feel. Yeah. Uh, another thing I feel strongly about is uh, I think LSU's in trouble. And I say this because uh, not just the fact that uh, Florida State spanked them in the, in the second half, in uh, really what was uh, billed to be the you know the game of uh, the first week of college football, but I've gone back and I've looked at this a bunch of times, and you know the play where Jaden Daniels, just the quarterback for LSU, it's a first and ten. And it's at the end of the first quarter, near the end of the first quarter, scores seven seven, and uh, he just kind of he runs up the middle, and just like at the line of scrimmage, he jumps up, yeah, and then clocked him, body slams him, yes, body slams him, and you know what? This is what's really concerning about it. Not one LSU player took umbrage to what that guy of 15 did to their star quarterback. There was no pushing and shoving, no punches thrown. Like, man, if you do that to the, our quarterback, because it, it's, it was a borderline dirty hit. Right, not a dirty hit, but it was a, it was just, it was, it was legal it, in my opinion, it, but it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. But don't you think if you're an offensive lineman, man, you don't take that crap. You defend your quarterback at all costs, even if it was a legal hit. And and to me, that is really concerning because where's the energy? Where's the fight? 
as uh, as so many as Deion Sanders. Like, where's the dog? <laughs> right? Like, you remember co- he got he got all hacked off because his team didn't do it in practice. Yeah, yeah, and it, you just can't let that go, sort of unnoticed, right? You gotta show a little spirit. And to me, that reveals potentially as someone who's, I'm not obviously there day in and day out, but this is like, this is a team that maybe has some chemistry issues. Is there something going on between the quarterback and the rest of the team? It just, uh, the, the more I thought about it, it was like, man, I mean, you think of, of, well, one, it was a dumb play by Daniels. I mean, I get it. He's just trying to make a play. He's, he's trying, but you know, you're not going to survive long if, if you expose yourself the way he did. Cause he absolutely the down got in distance didn't even warrant the play. No, it, no, it didn't. It didn't. Uh, it was, uh, it was just not, not a smart football play by him. And, uh, and just also for self-preservation, it wasn't a smart play. But again, I, 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 I'm just surprised that no one, uh, none of the other 10 guys on that offense, like just got in the face of, of FSU and really, uh, you know, stood up for their quarterback. It was a bad look. And also, I, I didn't like Brian Kelly's demeanor on the sideline. Like, something just seemed off. Like, he had this, uh, you, know, you know what I want to use here, but this, like, Ooh, oh, Eric, my. No, no, it's like, like, oh, my God, what's happening? Look on my face. Uh, it's like, not good for a coach. No, it was just like a, a look of uh, confusion and bewilderment. And it looked like a guy who had no answers. And you know what? He was a guy. He didn't have any answers. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm a hawked him. I don't know. I, am I overanalyzing this? I don't know. I started, when you mentioned that, I started looking immediately at uh, the LSU schedule. And man, you know, this is not the most difficult schedule in the nation. They've got uh, grambling. At Mississippi State, they should win that. They get Arkansas at home. Being at home will probably be the difference there. At Ole Miss, at Missouri. Uh, then they host Auburn. Um, I, I think the schedule lends itself to being able to put some salve on the wounds and maybe turn back into the team that we expected to contend for the West. That being said, ask me in a couple of games and we'll see. But... I, I was surprised by a lot of things that happened this past weekend, and that was certainly in my top five. Who, whose wouldn't it be? But uh, the Clemson deal, um, of course, the TCU, you know, Colorado went in there and um, also needed to bring up another one that we had in this week. Did Texas Tech lose? Uh, I didn't. Uh, they lost to <laughs> like a, a regional school, I think. I'm having to look it up real quick. Still um, trying to look about, up, and you're, yeah, about Clemson. I, 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 again, don't want to overreact, but does that loss to Duke is this a signal that Clemson has absolutely like fallen 
a, a level down from you know where they were. I, I thought Clemson, and we talked about this before the season. I, I thought Clemson was going to uh, be a uh, a team that would make it to the college football playoffs. But now you have uh, what transpired this weekend combined with the poor play last year. And so is this a uh, program-wide problem, the fact that, that it's, it's slipped, it's gone down a notch? And I think we talked about this on our podcast. If you just compare what Clemson is going through now and you look at Alabama – even when Alabama's not winning national championships under Nick Saban, they're still in the conversation. You know? Yeah. Every Absolutely. year in and year in and year out, they're still just right there. And I think Clemson is teetering on uh, a sort of fallen on their face kind of season. But, uh, We'll see. They're have a tough we'll time with Florida State. I'll tell you that right yeah. now. Now, yeah. Wyoming did beat Texas Tech in overtime. 35 to 33, I believe, was the final, which seems odd for overtime. Somebody had to go to, I guess. Um, that, uh, and you know who they've got next? Oregon. Mm. So, uh, Oregon just put up what? 81? 81. 82? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Bo, I don't know if Bo even saw the second half. Anyway, um, interesting show. Before we let you out of here, Friday afternoon, Lars and I are going to be doing uh, Big Noon Sports Menace Free. Um, but then we, we may just have to take a stroll a little further into Tuscaloosa City and go see Reagan at R&R because you want a smoke and a bourbon. That's the place to go. And sit out on their new patio slash porch. Um, and it doesn't have to be bourbon. They got all kinds of beers. They got all kinds of drinks. What, whatever you possibly want. Uh, but they do have the greatest cigar selection that, um, I've seen. I don't know if I've seen any place, uh, in other parts of Birmingham that that good. Hey, we got to get out of here, Lars. Let's do it again tomorrow. We'll be back in 22 hours. Guess what, Bama fans? 